Welcome everyone to Black Coffee and Theology. Mm. Mm. Friendship. Uh, thoughts on friendship. Um, you have this quote where you says, you talk about befriending ourselves first. Um, and I love you say, um, first you have this thought where you said, you are quick to show love and grace to everyone. It's time you show love and grace to yourself. Mm. And you said, befriending ourselves is the first opportunity we have to be a good friend. Uh, this is not easy, especially when we are gripped by loneliness. Talk to us. Yeah. Speak, speak to us. Oh, well, I, I've spent so much of my life um, relearning how I speak to myself, how I interact with myself, how I befriend myself. And, and when you are feeling that unworthiness inside, when you're feeling um, unlovable, you think the solution is to find someone to love you. Um, I, I think all of us do that um, when, when we're feeling that hole inside. Um, but instead, we, we need to love ourselves. It's, it's like that image of putting on your own mask first before you can put the mask on someone else. Yeah. Um, and, and really in loving yourself, it's in a way learning to receive God's love as well. Um, realizing that God made me worthy of receiving love, of being loved as who I am, even in my brokenness, even in my imperfection. And in receiving that, then I think I learn how to be a better friend to others. Yes. Yeah. And I think I, I, this is, this is why I'm in therapy. I, I think, and, and I think it's especially important for me as the, the more work that I have put into owning my self-talk, owning what I think about um, myself in, in nurturing who I am as a person, it has only aided in how I am able to love others, right? To your points. And I have been surprised especially in the the past two to three years the ways in which I am able to love others in a more sustained way mm -hmm. that does not burn me out I think that that's the the key element in earlier portions of my Christianity I was able to love in maybe pretty big grandiose ways or outreach ways or in ways that maybe touched people uh but I, I think I always came away feeling empty. Mm. And then I felt more needy and clingy. Um, um, but when I started to realize that, hey, I need to close up some of these these holes in, in the fence um, <laughs> and uh, pour all this love and attention into to self and clean up the self-talk. Um, uh, and clean up holes in my theologies that um, that had to do with self. I think um, mm. there was a lot of shame-based thoughts that I had about self um, 
yeah that yeah there was a lot of holes in the gospel too that i i believed about so to be honest um and when i cleaned that up put a little scrub a dub dub on those um <laughs> i was like wait i like me <laughs> yeah. and i befriended me yeah I, yes. I, I think yeah that was the key for me personally mm-hmm. yeah and it's awesome when you have those relationships or those friendships with people who are also doing that same thing, learning to love themselves yes. because you can help each other along the way. My, my administrative assistant in the office is amazing. If I ever do something ridiculous and I say, oh, I am yeah. so stupid for doing that. She says, hey, how are we speaking to ourselves, friend? Like, wait a minute <laughs> yeah and, and i just love that i love that i love that um she is able to speak those words to me and that i can hear them because that two or three or four years ago i wouldn't have heard that um but i receive that from her now yeah 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 and i think one thought i have on like friendships is I think especially in Christian communities, friendships are, you know, we're talking about self-love and and loving ourselves and being our own friend. Um, We don't talk about that a lot in Christian circles. Um, And it's almost seen as being vain and it's all about Christ and Christ's glory, you know, like just love God, Um, which I think is why a lot of churches are fractured (laughs) uh one and then um and then i think that's why a lot of people are like disappointing their pastors too because we're not loving ourselves and we don't talk about it and so therefore we need our pastors to complete us um that's too (laughs) so that's why your pastors are burned out um so hey pastors preach about this so y'all can get a little break okay (laughs) that's a little (laughs) talk that's a good word (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> stop preaching about his only christ glory so y'all can get a little break too for your mental health okay <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you're doing yourself a disservice um <laughs> um and then i also think like then we also don't preach about the goodness yeah. and the beauty of friendships too and that also is a disservice on the whole community right um we preach about this one type of love that everyone should want, which is marriage. And marriage is like the the big, big rock of ages that everyone wants and like forget familial relationships and boo to friendships. The one you really need to be going after is marriage. And I love that you talked about the harmony of friendship and how Jesus defined it. And I think there is more to be mined in what can be seen in friendships in general, right? And I think we see in the gospel accounts, the love that Jesus has for his friends. We see that there is a lot more there and there's a lot of of, of beauty in God that can be found in friendships that we don't hear talked about in the church. And I, you know, so bell hooks, 
had this quote um, that really rocked me in her book, All About Love. And she said, many of us learn as children that friendship should never be seen as just as important as family ties. However, friendship is the place in which a great majority of us have our first glimpse of redemptive love and caring community. Um, and she also said, loving friendship provides us with a space to experience the joy of community in a relationship where we learn to process all our issues, to cope with differences and conflict while staying connected. Mm -hmm. And I think we see some of the beauty of that in the gospel accounts with Jesus and his friends, like, but we don't often hear that talked about and the, the rhythms of that, you know, and your, to use your, your analogies, like, but I think there's a rhythm of friendship um, and there's a beauty to friendships that we often ignore uh, a lot. I, I agree with that. As you were talking, I was thinking about the passage from the book of Ruth, where um, Ruth says to Naomi, where you go, I will go. Where you yeah. live, I will live. And we take that. And that is listed as one of the number one marriage texts, um, which I mean, it's, it's a beautiful sentiment for marriage. But this is about two, two women who did not we're not expected by the society to continue to rely on each other, mm -hmm. but they chose each other mm -hmm. yeah. and, and took risks together and were, were vulnerable together and developed a friendship that transcended um, their circumstances. And it's just, it's so sad that we don't speak to that. Yeah. about the importance of those friendships and that those relationships really matter. And I think in patriarchal Christianity, especially, yeah. um, there's this thought that men and women cannot be friends because that yeah. will automatically be a romantic relationship or a source of temptation. And we view our brothers and sisters as sources of temptation instead of part of our body. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We, I... need, we need each other. Yeah, you're right. The patriarchal system messes us all up because men and women can't be friends. Men and men can't be friends because of fear of homophobia. And then it just messes everything up because, and I love that you brought that passage up because that friendship transcended um, cultural lines. It, it, it was so beautiful. It transcended even grief, right? And yes. um, and that bonding of that willingness to say, "Hey, where you, wherever you go, I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna be right there by your side," is the type of friendship that is possible. That says, "I'm gonna surround you, and wherever you go, I'm gonna be right there with you," uh, and that is possible and right and when we take that ethic that friendship and that love ethic and we infuse that into what is possible in our lives yo that's magic when you know and that and so that opens up the possibilities of how we can love and be loved that's not only romantic right that and because the reality is is not everyone will be married Right. And so we're not waiting around um, for people to, 
hey, if you're not going to be married, I'm sorry, you can't be loved, right? No, <laughs> like everyone can be loved in a multitude of ways in, yes. in very, very deep, precious, valuable ways, um, giving and receiving, right? And so I'm so glad you brought that up. I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah, and so that, that patriarchal system really messes us all up because there is love is accessible and available to us all and fear will really have us jammed up (laughs) that's exactly right yeah Yeah. one last portion before we go grief um hmm. i and this is (laughs) i (laughs) So you write about the holy rhythm of loss, and um, and this is so powerful to me. Your words here, and you you write about a particular time and how you were apologizing about your tears, and the fullness of it was so fresh as you wrote about it. And you wrote about that time, and you said that first experience instilled in me the loneliness of grief. Subsequent experiences reinforced to me that grief was a feeling I had to keep to myself. Hmm. I think that that, you know, we've been talking about community, friendship, and grief, and I think that that those elements are important, not just because of your book sacred pulse but i think it's fitting that we're talking about those three elements because of the time that we're living in (laughs) um you know and you have other elements all throughout the book that are you know about the kitchen about the seasons you know holidays and celebration and time but i think that those three elements about essentially about community care, a communal care and a communal care ethic and friendships and holding one another and then grief, um, thoughts on grief and, and that loss and how it taught you and what that initially, that shock taught you, thoughts. Mm. Yeah, um, during that time, as I wrote in the book, I, I came to this conclusion and it was an unwritten conclusion, but mm. that when you experience or when you express grief outwardly, it's met by discomfort mm. or by rejection or by platitudes that you should just get on with it. Um, you know, he was old anyway, or you need to get used to this. You're just soft. You're going to experience more loss and you just need to toughen up, whatever it is. And, and so I began to bury those losses. Um, and, and I'm still not very good at holding them into the light, but I will tell you that, and, and this isn't really meant to be a political comment at all, but I, I remember vividly when the Bidens stepped out over all of those memorials to the people who had died from COVID. Mm. And I just broke down and wept because it felt like we weren't allowed to talk about all of the losses that we were having, Mm -hmm. um, all all of the pains and the fears. And and I lost my great uncle to COVID and 
and, and feeling like you can't talk about it. And all of a sudden we could talk about it. We had this opportunity to speak or remember or grieve in an open way. And those opportunities are so rare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But, but what I also really have loved in, in my own journey with grief is the discovery that grief is something that while it never goes away, it does, it is transformed within us over time. We bring it with us. It changes us, but every one of us is that way. Every one of us has been transformed and shaped by grief in some way. And this is where community comes back in that we can, can can bear each other's burdens. Um, My, my mother-in-law died from ALS um, about gosh, 17 years ago now. And walking with my husband in his grief um, and mine as well. She was like another mom to me. Um, Yeah. It's just, I don't know if I have any words of wisdom except to say that all of us grieve and one of the most precious gifts we can give each other is to sit with our friends when they grieve without trying to rush them through it, without trying to say, well, everything happens for a reason or finding the silver lining or, or making meaning out of it. That's where Job's friends went wrong. They did great for seven days. They sat and they kept their mouths shut and then they decided, oh, it's been too long. Let's, let's tell Job a thing or two. If, if they just had sat with their friend, that would have been, that'd have been a great book. We need that book. No, I, I, no, I love that. And how that you tie that in with community, because I have found that my grief is overwhelming and it overtakes me if I'm expected to be anything other than who I am. I love how you said that grief does, essentially that grief does change us. I am not the person I was before grief touched me and grief touched my home. And grief will touch my home again in many other lesser and larger ways till the day that I die. And the impact of my death will touch uh, many. And I think the people who love me best in ways that fill me make space for the ways that grief is shaping me. And it's not pretty some days, but I cherish the relationships that make space for me as I am. You know, there's a rhythm of grief. And I I have said that over the years, there's a rhythm of grief and it's a tidal wave. And there were years where that tidal wave was so strong that I just needed to know uh, from ones who love me, is this okay that I am not strong? And is it okay that I will never go back to being the Robert that you knew before? Um, The carefree person that did not know grief, right? Uh, And and so some people that, that it was not okay um, and they yeah. are no longer in my life and that hurt me, but some people they're on this journey to say, whoever you 
are and whoever you are becoming, we make space for that. And that is the that type of communal love and that type of love that will hold you um, isn't for the faint of heart, <laughs> but it is beautiful. <laughs> yes. I think it's not for the faint of heart because you don't know who this person will become. That's right. It's an uncertain future. Yes. Um, but it is the most precious thing we can give each other mm-hmm. to give that space for each of us to grow through our grief because it does, it, it changes us in a way that we, we can't go back. Um, I remember sitting with someone once who lost someone very close to them and they said, everyone wants me to be who I was, but I'm, I'm not, and I can't. Even if I could, I can't, you know, I I can't return to that person. And the best gift we can give each other is the space for that to be okay. Mm. I love you right now in the messiness of who you are. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Whatever this grief does as it transforms you and as you grow and whoever you become, I'm here with you. Mm. It's beautiful. Before I let you go, can I ask you one or two questions about rest? Absolutely. Okay. Whew. I was like, hmm. <laughs> okay. So rest, <laughs> the holy re- rhythm of restoration, because this is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> okay. So I was like, while you're on the line. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> so you write about rest and so you so you open this chapter chapter 11 you said i learned about rest when i collapsed on the floor of my office although the word learned makes it sound a lot tidier than it was i had been responding to emails before breaking for lunch when suddenly i felt shaky restless and out of breath and so you write about this experience um and the chronic weariness and and essentially you kind of write about this experience that kind of led you to realizing, Hey, <laughs> yes, the way that I have been doing things has not, <laughs> is not working for me. I'm collapsing here in my office. And essentially I, I would love for you to give us some, you know, this pastoral cap, you know, what have you learned about rest and restoration? And yeah, in your years, like what, what are some of those nuggets that you give people and how to rest? Oh, boy, I'm still working on this myself, but yeah, um, I absolutely love Tish Harrison Warren's book, Liturgy of the Ordinary. I love when she talks about sleeping mm. and how the Jewish day begins at night and we mm. begin with sleep as an acknowledgement that God is working all the time. And so I don't have to be. And I, I actually have been telling myself as I fall asleep at night and also praying, Lord, I'm, I'm giving this night to you Mm. for, for this period of hours, I acknowledge I can control nothing um, and, and let that go. And that, that helps me to rest a little bit more soundly. I'm also finding that boundaries are hugely important and not yeah, apologizing yeah. for our boundaries. 
It's not, I'm sorry, I didn't get back to your email. I had a day off. Um, it, I, I didn't get back to your email because I was taking my day off. Um, oh, and, you know, and, and we didn't have to apologize for that because everyone needs that. Everyone needs that time of restoration. Our restoration doesn't make us a burden to anyone. That's right. <laughs> Which is yeah. so, so hard to admit, um, especially for people like me who want to do it all ourselves, yeah. um, to be able to, to rest and acknowledge that I don't need to do everything. Mm. Um, but for me, that experience in my office that I wrote about, that was my first panic attack. Yeah. And I ended up, I went to the doctor, they ran every test under the sun. Mm -hmm. um, everything came back normal. And, and they said, you know, have you thought about seeing a therapist? <laughs> yeah. And I, well, okay. So um, thankful for Zoom and telehealth and all of that great kind of stuff, got connected with a wonderful person who has been a great mirror back for me to say, um, why do you, why do you feel the need to apologize that you're human and you have limitations and you need rest? Mm -hmm. um, where is that coming from for you? Um, but I think ultimately be behind all of that workaholism, behind all of that inability to rest, there is that nagging voice that says you are not enough, at least for me yeah. and that endless striving and constant doing and always saying yes to every request is really my attempt to answer that voice of I'm not enough with well, yes, I am. Look at all the things I've done. Mm -hmm. And so I, I believe that the real work of receiving rest begins first with the work of receiving God's pronouncement that I am good. I am good because God made me good. Mm -hmm. I'm enough because God said I'm enough. Yeah. And, and if I can receive that, then I can receive, receive rest a whole lot easier. Mm. I love that. I love that. That's I love that. I, I think that will really, if received, I think that that helps to really form a foundation for for like creating practices of rest, right? Like without that, without that core identity in place, it's hard to say you know, do this versus this, do this versus this. It's like right. part of why we don't have good practices of rest is because the, the core beliefs are not in place, right? And I love that you kind of uh, elaborate on that more throughout the book and you kind of even go into some of your social media thoughts um, yeah. throughout the book. And all of it seems to kind of be stemming from that place of, breaking down the you are not enough piece. Yes. Um, yeah, I love that. And, and something that I try and do um, kind of in that vein of you are not enough and um, having boundaries is on, this is, I don't even know how I came across this, but I just formulated this thing on Sundays. I started deleting all my text messages, every single one. Because I have such anxiety that, listen, if I did not get back to you, 
and usually because people text me, they ask me for things, blah, blah. Like on Sunday, it's a clean slate. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> I just don't even look. Like I just literally on Sunday morning, it's my way of saying I give myself grace mm-hmm. because I feel so bad. I'm a people pleaser. And on Sunday morning, listen, <laughs> I just go through, I just like, I just don't look and I delete every single one. Wow. And in that way, it's my way to look forward to a new week mm-hmm. in both the good, the bad, the what I didn't get to. Listen, <laughs> I have a new chance at this week. If you want to try again <laughs> this week, um, and if people say, hey, I emailed, I texted you last week. Hey, what what would you like this week? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. And I'm not apologizing because, hey, I there's a lot going. There's a global pandemic. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> there's a lot of background yes. noise, you know, and to your point, I I'm not going to apologize for being human. Um, And so that gives me seven days to get things done. I can restart it. I have another chance to grasp life. And also what it does is it gives me a chance to redeem and to look forward to all the possibilities that can happen in a new week, right? Um, And in that way, my mind is renewed and my spirits are renewed, right? In that sense too. that is really beautiful yeah and I also I'm a words of affirmation person too so that also goes with the good that I've received people can say hey love you blah blah." clearing out my messages also allows for love and light to come in Mm. the fresh you know as well so Hmm. Hmm. that's beautiful I'm going to think about that I just uh, shortly before I logged on for this yeah. for this talk I opened an email that was so overwhelming yeah. like here's the 64 things I would like you to consider <sighs> and I I stopped for a minute and I my husband had just come in the door and I said to him I just got this email that is really overwhelming me yeah I'm going to mark it as unread log out of my email and I'll look at it tomorrow yeah and I didn't even read the whole thing. I started it. And I thought, mm, nope, tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, our bodies and our brains and our souls, we deserve a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, a lot more. <laughs> grace, grace. <clears throat> April, thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom. And... I'm going to have the links to get in your book and yeah, how to follow you, how to support you. Um, Thank you so much for giving of your time and generously. I really appreciate you. Thank you for this space and this time and sharing your, your podcast with me. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Seriously.
Black Coffee and Theology Pod is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. Follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. If you like the content that you are receiving here and want to receive more, whether that is in longer conversations, essays, devotions, and videos from either myself, Sam, or Trey, please sign up for for our Patreon at patreon.com slash three black men. Don't forget to like, rate, and review Black Coffee and Theology Pod as well as Three Black Men.